0: From the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Technology, whatever. You, you, have, you have more trouble with Spotify when we try and do this. I think...
1: I never do when I, I listen I to it on my phone. Other issues. I It's only when I switch to my computer. Like, I only ever listen to it on my phone and off of my okay. phone, but as soon as I try on my laptop, it's like, w- this isn't your phone, what is happening? But it's really, it's cho- <laughs> picking and choosing what it plays. Do
0: you have the app installed in your computer or are you just trying to stream it from your phone to your computer, like you're still controlling it on your phone?
1: No, no, it's on my computer. Okay. Anyways, it's possessed by Satan, what else is new?
0: All right. Sweet. <laughs> well. We've had almost a month to listen to it, so... I haven't
1: listened to it for a month, but we'll get into it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get into
1: it. Oh, that's fine. Intro us in. We'll
0: get into it. Plenty of content still to come. Welcome to another episode of our podcast called Life to Labyrinth. You're, we're back to just Angie and I. Stephen is having more house troubles and life troubles. We wish him well. We really don't know if he's coming back this time, but we've geared up our friend Rob, who you may remember from past episodes, and we got some special things coming now that we have our friend Rob joining us. So we will carry on. We will soldier on in Steven's, in Steven's memory, and if he ever comes back, you'll be just as surprised as we are.
1: We miss you, Steven. I'm sorry that that's the sound of me trying to get Tums out of a bottle. You'll have to edit that out. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, I, I, that sounds like Tums if I... <laughs> if I, I do I this bet. gross
1: thing where I don't eat enough throughout the day, and then at dinner I eat too much and then feel like dying for two hours. It's a, it's pretty. It's it's pretty attractive. It's a ritual. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we'll get through it. We'll get there. Pandemic is just starting to become over, at least here. Yeah. They've changed our health regulations again, so... Yeah. I'm sure lots of people will be getting sick and sniffling and thinking all kinds of things over the next little bit
1: yeah life feels like it's getting back to normal a little bit
0: it's happening we are no longer mass mandated anywhere
1: really oh they
0: lifted that they set a goal they set a goal to get 70 percent of the province first vaccinated i think it was just first by the time of calgary stampede so that they could have calgary stampede Okay. And before Calgary Stampede, they announced that they made it. There wasn't really a whole lot of evidence offered to back up. That it <laughs> sure, sure. Happened. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We did it. We rock.
0: <laughs> but the, uh, the premier went on, went on TV. For those of you not in our country, a premier is like a governor.
1: Governor of Alberta.
0: Governor of Alberta. Probably wants to be that. And, uh, and basically said, we did it, y'all. We can have the stampede. And the crowd went mild. <laughs> Good one. So anyway, I
1: don't, I don't know what we're allowed to do here. I just don't do anything. I have. I think you. I think we have to wear masks everywhere. I don't think that's.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't think that's changed.
0: Okay, here there's still lots of places that are regulating, like health clinics and stuff, still want you to. Okay. Public health clinics and stuff. I think in doctors' offices, they're still very much like you need to wear one, although because of the way the rules are right now they can't deny service to someone who won't. Sure. So, okay. we're basically back to that whole clusterfuck. Oh boy.
1: Um
0: anyway, we're not here to talk about the pandemic, but apparently uh in closing, apparently they announced in Alberta today that they will no longer require people to isolate. If they have been exposed to COVID, what? it's now recommended. It's not mandated. Oh my God. I
1: never. Yeah.
0: They're rolling back hard here. They're going hard. It's like full floor. We're like
1: the last people on earth. (laughs) Like we, you can't go anywhere without being fully masked. I don't know. I really don't. I don't follow anything because I just don't leave my house really. So, but, uh, no, like if I go to the grocery store where everyone's
0: fucking masked. Fascinating. Here it was basically as of July. Yeah. Whatever it was. Because I think the stampede was at the, the end of June. So as of the 2nd of July, the mask mandate was lifted across the province. So as of the 2nd of July, you could go into stores unmasked and this live your life unmasked. And it was kind of in the first couple of weeks, it was sort of like 60-40 still masked. And now it's probably maybe 20% still oh, masked. Oh, fascinating.
1: I feel like you're going to fall into yeah. the, the states now with the unvaccinated yeah. getting the Delta variant. and Probably. Anyways, I don't know anything about it. Don't listen to me. I barely know what's going on in my own backyard. I'm like, I don't think it's a thing. Gross.
0: Onwards and upwards at this point, I suppose. Thankfully. Anyway, we've talked about that for five minutes. We should probably set it, it out. Who, Who cares? cares? <laughs> We just, we just, uh, yeah, set a nice, a nice cheery bed for what we listen to. Yeah. <laughs> so full disclosure, we, although we've still been putting out episodes on what has come to be our new schedule of every two weeks, we actually haven't <laughs> recorded in like three. Yeah, it feels like a month. Is this our third or fourth week? It's been like three to three to four weeks.
1: uh It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we've had a lot of time to listen to the album that I suggested, which is Sly and the Family Stone, The Woodstock Experience. And the reason I suggested this is because it seems so long ago now, I discovered the movie that Questlove put out called The Summer of Soul, which was about the Harlem Cultural Festival in 1969. It it wasn't the same as Woodstock, where Woodstock was like a weekend. The Harlem Cultural Festival was several concerts that they held over like the summer, basically. And Sly and the Family Stone played at the Harlem Cultural Festival on June 29th, 1969. And because I watched that and immediately told Angie that it existed, (laughs) we talked about little else.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm really glad um, you told me about it and I watched it.
0: It was so good. It was honestly uh, having first found Sly and the Family Stone in my life, technically way back in like middle school because of the Woodstock movie, which I watched on VHS on an old, really old TV that had one speaker in it which was just the greatest way to experience a music <laughs> movie. <laughs> I, I, uh, I fell in love with the band at that point. I fell in love with their performance especially. I thought it'd be fun to do their performance at the Harlem Cultural Festival, but it doesn't. it's not a release thing. It's not something that you can find. And although the Questlove movie is gaining traction and is certainly shining the light on this otherwise entirely ignored um, music, musical festival and phenomenon that happened in Harlem in 1969, it's still vastly under-documented. So we did Woodstock, which is vastly overdocumented.
1: <laughs> Correct.
0: So, I have a lot of things that I love about this. You're not crazy about live albums. I haven't made you listen to one in months and months and months. What are your thoughts?
1: I can't stand listening to live albums. I I did my homework. I listened to and I like first of all, I I love Sly the Family Zone. I it's, but it's one of those bands where I knew a lot of the songs, but never actually linked it up with the artist until much later in life. A, a little bit like, um, okay, you know when we were doing Stevie Wonder, and you're like, oh my god, he does this song, he does this. Like I, you don't click all that together. I am like that with Sly. Okay. So I did. I didn't. Th- I think I knew some of the music, but not um, a lot of it. But I definitely recognized a lot. But I listened to the album maybe halfway through and I struggled, I struggled. There's something missing listening to live. Okay, here's my problem. And it's not that I lack imagination for like trying to picture it, but there's something flat about it. Like there, I feel like there's something visual missing. There's movement missing. There's like energy missing. It was rough for me because they go on like 10 minute party, moments of you know (laughs) you know you do like a guitar solo for 10 minutes long that's live yeah (laughs) and it's really fun when you're there but when you're just watching it it's rough anyways i was really struggling with it and then i watched summer of soul and i was like thank god (laughs) because i i can see it I visualize it. I'm there. I have the energy. I'm so excited about it. I tried to listen to the album again. I really struggled, and then I just went and listened to regular uh, Sly albums because I'm an asshole. And I, but I kind of did my homework and then veered off into my own track.
0: <laughs> hey, that's that's totally fair, and I kind of expected that's what was going to happen. Did you watch any of the footage of them at Woodstock?
1: I watched a little bit of it, yes, and I'm telling you it makes all the difference for me. I don't I really don't know what it is. It maybe stems from that Aretha album that I accidentally bought live and it just ruined my life. I was like, this is too fast and it's not right and it's not the right song. (laughs) But live, is just, I wish I was there. I would have had a riot. I love that energy. I love live music. I've seen so much live music, but listening to live recorded is just so fucking rough for me. I don't know why. And I know you love it.
0: Yeah, and that's fine. Um, For me, you know, aside from maybe a couple of things, like I probably heard, you know, Dance to the Music, Want to Take You Higher before I heard the live versions. In a lot of cases, the songs on this album are the first way that I heard these songs.
1: Right, okay. That means a
0: lot. I think I have the exact opposite problem of you where when I listen to live albums and try and go back to the studio, I I feel exactly the same way to you. It's missing energy. Yeah, yeah. It's missing excitement. Everything is slower. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, there isn't there's no audience cheering, there's no interaction with the audience, there's no talking between songs. It's like, you know, for me I I described it once upon a time on the podcast as for me listening to a live album is the way a lot of people experience reading a book, where I self-project there. And instead of feeling like, oh, I wish I was there, I'm missing it. I do feel that. I feel, wow, how exciting would that have been? <laughs> totally, it would have been so cool to be there.
1: I just think it's a totally different vibe when you're experiencing it and you're dancing and you're so into it. They can go on a 20 minute riff of garbage, and you're like, yes, keep going. I am, I'm losing myself in this. To when you're driving down the 417, being like, wow, this is. 10 minutes of something that I'm not feeling the energy of because I'm in my fucking car you know like
0: <laughs> that <laughs> time must have really passed slowly for you because the longest individual track on this album is 7 minutes 50 seconds <laughs> and that's the medley
1: I at one point I didn't know when they were like switching songs it just kind of blended into like a
0: super song it does Um, so, to wind back a little bit, they performed at Woodstock, this performance was on Sunday morning, August 17, and depending on where you look, they either took the stage at 3.30 or 4 o'clock (laughs) a.m. and then played for an hour.
1: Amazing.
0: Depends on where you look. So, again, part of me projecting is just, like, I can't even believe, I can't understand what that must have been like as an experience for an audience member, especially at Woodstock. I'm not, we're not going to get into the history of Woodstock. You can find it on your own. It's everywhere. But Woodstock was a festival that was held from the 15th to the 18th of August in 1969 on a at a place called Max Yasgur's dairy farm in Bethel, New York.
1: I'll quiz you on some stuff after. we got we can look at some facts.
0: Okay, sweet. We're gonna play a game. I love it. And Woodstock is one of those things that is just history has decided we're gonna remember it with rose-colored glasses
1: just seemed like a massive acid trip <laughs> <laughs>
0: the the execution of Woodstock from a, a logistics point of view was a massive clusterfuck <laughs> yeah and if you want to learn about it, there is a documentary, I think it's on Netflix, that actually explores the two guys that put on the Woodstock Festival. They were responsible for booking it, they were responsible for finding the location, they had to figure everything out, and they had to finance it, or get financing for it. And it talks about the buildup and the problems they had to, to get the festival put on. It talks about the clusterfuck that subsequently ensued and the festival started, and basically their fence was torn down, and everybody that had bought a ticket was trampled by like 300,000 more people that they weren't expecting. that just showed up for free. They didn't have facilities for as many people as they had. The highways were closed because there was way too many people trying to get in. So people would like park their cars on the street and like walk for miles to get there. Some people never making it. <laughs> it they didn't have washroom facilities for that many people. They didn't have food for that many people. There was no security there.
1: I was getting so much anxiety when I was reading about the bathrooms and the food. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't think of anything worse than... I get bathroom anxiety as is. Like if I go to Blues Fest, I'm like, where are the bathrooms? What are the lines looking like? I'm keeping an eye on it. So the fact that there were like mile long lineups for the bathrooms and not enough, strike one, strike two, there was no food. They ran out of food. Like God bless the hippies for just, you know, being on acid and not realizing they need to eat, but this girl needs to eat. I would have died.
0: Well, they also, they called in this. this this hippie commune called the hog farm (laughs) that is run by a man run by a man oh what the hell's his name
1: it's like gravy wavy or something wasn't it
0: wavy gravy that's it yes and he when you look at pictures of him he still looks like that total hippie. <laughs> yeah. but they basically they called him in a panic and were like you live in a commune can you help us feed all these people and they like made oatmeal and stuff and when you saw it they showed it on the movie they were giving it out they had big pots of oatmeal and stuff but they were giving people out like a little dixie cup worth like it was a giant cluster there,
1: I also read there was a local group there was a local group of volunteers from a nearby Jewish community that um, made a whole bunch yeah. of sandwiches, thousands of sandwiches. Yeah, to, yeah,
0: yeah the little community. Out.
1: We must feed the hippies <laughs> at their rock band.
0: The little community of Bethel really went to bat for these people in terms of the the audience members and stuff because they were hosed. There was so much that could have gone wrong. They like these guys basically from a getting sued logistical point of view could not have gotten any luck here and but not to belay that point i can't imagine part one of the biggest issues they had there is that it poured rain on saturday and so i can't imagine living with that all day trying like trying to get there friday and then at 3:30 in the morning caught co- like soaking wet sitting in the mud sly and the family stone come on stage <laughs> i already <laughs> died so because it's a live album i thought i'd take a little bit different approach to this so sly and the family stone in 1969 were touring on the back of their album stand which is probably their most successful album we're not going to get into it maybe we'll listen to it one day but that's what they were touring behind
1: i already listened to it
0: They did eighty one concerts according to Setlist FM. They did eighty one concerts across the US and Canada in nineteen sixty nine. Their two Canadian dates, since we're Canadian, was at the Toronto Pop Festival on june twenty-first and the Place des Nations in Montreal on August sixth. And their Harlem Cultural Festival appearance, which I think I mentioned earlier, was on June 29th, 1969. Set list for Harlem Cultural Festival was "Milady," Sing a Simple Song, or you can make it if you try. Everyday People Dance to the Music, Music Lover Higher. So the same the same medley that they did at Woodstock. At Woodstock, they performed "Milady" from the album Life from 1968. Sing a Simple Song, which was the which was a single b-side of the everyday people single so it was b-side you can make it if you try from the album stand they performed everyday people side a of that single dance to the music which was from the album dance to the music from 1968 Then they did a medley of higher music lover which was also from their 1968 album dance to the music then they did sort of a proper performance of i want to take you higher which was the b-side of their top 30 hit stand single they did love city which was from the album life 1968 and then finished the concert with the song stand from the album of the same name that was their set list and it went on for according to spotify it went on for 15 minutes and 18 seconds and they basically had to be forced out on stage (laughs) through threat of violence. Wow. Sly had already at that point developed a reputation for not taking the stage and being difficult and everything. And basically, they would have taken the stage earlier, but he refused to go on until literally somebody like threw him up against a truck behind the stage and was like, get your ass out there. And you can hear it, because when they finish "Milady," they talk about, like, oh, things aren't right, and maybe we should come back later. And basically the audience, and probably several people at the side of the stage were like, fucking Clay. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's an interesting backstory.
1: It seems like there were lots of bands that didn't show up to Woodstock for random reasons, and out of all the bands that made it, it's a little bit shocking that slide did, because... Yes. Reputation for not showing up and to the most complicated one, they're there, which is amazing. They made it. They
0: touch touch on it uh, in the Summer of Souls movie as well. You know, they were talking about how just because somebody goes on the stage and announces Sly and the Family Stone doesn't mean he's going (laughs) to come out. (laughs) Totally. So and that followed him for the rest of his career you know he developed drug problems basically put himself into, into isolation they got so big basically their success as a result of woodstock was ultimately their undoing as a band hmm. which again is something we can discuss in another episode if we want to revisit slide the family stone i think for this for our purposes here, we should just stick to this performance. Another, st- I don't know, Woodstock was just such a shambles.
1: Yeah, totally. It sounds stressful from everything. And also, like, with the highways being closed and stuff like that, like, not only was it hard to get in, but how hard would it have must have been get- to get out? Like, okay, I'm exhausted, I'm sick, I'm, like, you know, I need to go, and, and just being, s- Yeah. oh my god, it just seems like such a shit show. But yeah, I was reading a lot about the drug habit that I mean that happens. That happens when you get big and yeah. and you get big fast and you discover cocaine. I totally get it.
0: I totally I get it. I get it. But it's so it's it's the culture too, right? Like this was this also was it was three
1: a.m. in the morning. How else is he performing? Of course, they've got other on cocaine. Like everyone else says, I'd be asleep. Right. Even at my best heyday, <laughs> three a.m. is late. <laughs>
0: That's a tough go to be an audience member. I can't imagine coming on stage with the energy that they had. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally rough. And then it's not even that. Like they they finished, arguably, sometime between 4 20 in the morning and 5 a.m. <laughs> the who followed them. Yeah. So these poor audience members, Janice Joplin finished like their, their sleeping time, there was basically no downtime. It just the music just kept right on rolling. like it took them forever to get it going and then they just went right through the morning. The music on Saturday started at 12:30 pm. And aside for like the odd 45 minute whatever like break between acts, it went clear through to 9:40 a.m the next morning before there was a break when Jefferson Airplane finished at 9:40.
1: It seems like the best kind of torture where you keep where you keep the music going forever like and the yeah. lights on and the lights off the tor- it's It like, seems like a very like the best kind of torture. Like the best music in the world but no bathrooms and no food and no sleep and yeah. a lot of acid. It's <laughs> god, I feel like as I wish I was cool enough to think that would be awesome, but I think I'd have a heart attack.
0: As much as we all shit on our parents for being okay boomers. I mean, this is their generation maybe that's why they're all just like think that we're the worst <laughs> they've they've been there and <laughs> <laughs>
1: you guys and your rules and yeah. whatnot summer of soul was way more my scene the whole time i was watching that i was like 100 yeah. if i had been alive my mother would have carted us down there to fucking harlem and been like here we go my mom took us to all kinds of crazy music places we used to go to like music camps in Kingston that were international and stuff like that and I think I've told the story on here where my mom brought me to a, a gospel church in in Ottawa that when we were the only white people and I was like, Mom, I don't think we should be here. And mom's like, just listen to the music. I'm like, Mom, I just don't know if we're supposed to be here right now. And then you had to hold hands and we were just like, oh my God, trying to blend in and but this is it just the whole time I was watching it, I'm like, my mom would have loved this. Oh I mean <laughs> I made her watch it. My mom and dad watched Summer of Soil immediately and were like, amazing. But I totally just pictured my, you know, my mom and dad bringing their kids to this and being, you know, one of
0: four white people. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What a fun thing to watch. And Nina Simone, my God, my God.
0: How are we gonna do do her? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, Oh my God. (laughs) If
0: I ever felt like I owed someone, I don't know an apology. It's Nina Simone. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, <laughs> to touch on your point about how do you get out of Woodstock, it was helicopters. So, in addition to the clusterfuck that was happening on the ground, if you were there actually trying to enjoy the music, you got to try and enjoy the music while helicopters were constantly flying back and forth, medevacking people and bringing artists in and bringing supplies in. It was like Vietnam. It was just helicopters constantly. Oh. So. I, lo- I I'm sorry I love talking about Woodstock and I know it's been talked to death but I love talking about it because I'm one of those people that likes to look at things from a realistic point of view and not a rose colored glasses and everybody's like oh Woodstock peace and love and no was no trouble and babies were born and women walked around with their tits out it's like no it was a fucking literal shit show because there was no bathrooms and the field was full of mud and shit
1: but <laughs> there was like zero violence yeah no violence reported it was super safe which is and i didn't look into it and i should have but apparently woodstock 99 was shut down because it was just violent rapey unsafe hideous and they they were like we're never doing this again so i mean yes to have how many people were there half a million people there yep. and not dealing with violence i mean ob- yes because everyone was on fucking acid you're not fighting when you're on acid but that says something. To have that many people kind of stranded that don't start losing their yeah. mind and, and acting out in violence. That I thought that was fascinating. That wouldn't happen now. It would be like 10 minutes in, you'd be like, I, the lineups for the bathroom are long. And someone would start fighting. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. It's, it's one thing to say there were 500,000 people there, but to say like how big an, like what's a population of 500,000 look like in terms of a city? Raleigh, North Carolina has 540,000 people, New Haven, Connecticut, Grand Rapids, Michigan. These are all places that have just within a few tens of thousands a population of 500,000 people. And you think of the infrastructure that exists to support those people in a city of that size. These are these are cities that have like professional sports teams like they have that kind of population to support professional sports teams. Yeah. And that is...
1: Not seven porta-potties.
0: Yeah, and they transported all of those people with tents and VW buses and dumped them on a dairy farm. (laughs) Yeah, with like uh, uh, porta-potties for like a fifth of that number and no food and a bunch of music. And they were just like, best of luck to you. And yeah, and the fact that like people weren't like raping and murdering and going absolutely berserk and like freaking out, you know, the medical issues they had were largely just people having mental health problems as a result of the drugs they were taking. There was a couple of deaths and there was some injuries. Do you know how
1: many deaths were there? Was it four? Three.
0: Okay, that was close.
1: I read three. One was run over by a tractor because they were sleeping underneath it. I know, acid. Um, <laughs> and the other two were drug-related acid. Yeah. But like, it's still, thats those numbers are pretty great.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Raleigh, North Carolina sees more than three deaths over a weekend.
1: Yeah probably amazing things like someone tripping in Walmart or something.
0: <laughs> These days, yeah. Probably still a lot largely tractor related.
1: Raleigh. We're just getting shot walking down the street.
0: Could be. Could be. Um
1: can I just you know what I kept thinking about listening to Sly, which we should talk
0: about, Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, let's talk about the artist.
1: First of all, the opening of the, <laughs> the opening of the album reminded me so much of the Blues Brothers. Um movie like this that, that immediately yes. was like oh my god I need to watch the Blues Brothers um, but do you remember in the 90s when the Gap like took over everyday people and that was yeah. when 90s babies were like what's this song and it was so lame and like the funk was taken right out of it and it was like a Gap ad which I can't think of anything more sad and lame
0: was it also a Gap ad that stole They Call Me Mellow Yellow?
1: I don't know if it was a Gap ad, but I think Gap stole Sweet Caroline. Who okay. ruined Sweet Caroline as well?
0: Uh, I'll look it up. I just looked up Mellow Yellow Gap. It is a Gap commercial. So Gap stole Mellow Yellow. Okay. They stole everyday people. Are you Googling? I hear you typing. Sweet
1: Caroline.
0: Was, wasn't that beer or something? Or was it clothes?
1: Oh, I. Or it's had marshmallows in the cartoon in the cartoon in the commercial <laughs> jesus christ
0: sweet caroline commercial hyundai oh Sonata. it's bad blue? bad blue that's the one yeah that's that'd be the one we know
1: anyways i just i can't i can't enjoy everyday people as much because it's just like lame people in beige khakis fucking yeah. nailing it Boom.
0: <laughs> was also used as the theme song to different strokes because they coined the term different strokes for different folks i think that's really the legacy of that oh. song we want to bring it back to a, good, to a good feeling um yeah they the whole different strokes for different folks thing that like cultural colloquialism it's from that song which makes me happy
1: sweet no i'm glad that band has a, a coined Whatever, Because they were so massive. And I don't like we haven't even touched on the fact that they were one of the only or one of the first multi-ethnic male and female group in a time when you that would also be celebrated, but also condemned. Yep. <laughs> like they were getting pushback from Black Panther group to get rid of the whiteies in the group and make their sound more, you know, um, black, which is really interesting, because they were kind of trendsetting and going against it. But yeah, like also, it's a time of civil rights and black power, so brave of them to do it. But really, big trendsetters in terms of, yeah, in terms of that.
0: Yeah. So touching on that, we should probably name the members of the band. So Sly and the Family Stone band members at this time, there have been like 20 throughout the years, but at this time, the classic lineup. <laughs> was Sylvester Sly Stewart, also known as Sly Stone. And he played vocals, or he played. He was lead vocalist, played keyboard and organ and harmonica. Then there was Freddie Stone, guitar vocals. Jerry Martini, one of the white guys, was a sax player. Cynthia Robinson, trumpet. Also, we're talking about how, you know, this woman was on horn and that was not really a thing women did in those days either and she's fucking amazing trumpet player rosie stone
1: and would stop to sing that was great trumpet sing trumpet sing i would you gotta have wind for that
0: yeah if you're listening (laughs) to any of sly and the family stone stuff she's the person that just like screams you know i think every sly in the family stone song should start with cynthia screaming the name of the song like and sing a simple song where she's like sing a simple
1: song (laughs) it reminded me of sesame street yeah Yeah, i liked it it.
0: yeah she she sounds like like a sesame street monster (laughs) rosie stone keyboard vocals larry graham bass who i think isn't he drake's uncle did i read that
1: who? What?
0: Larry Graham, the bass player, and no Sly and the Family Stone. We'll have to. We'll Google that quick. Uh, bass player, also largely considered to be the individual that brought slap bass into uh, popularity, because he was playing in a band one time that didn't have a drummer, and he was trying to get like percussive sounds out of his bass. So he kind of came up with slap bass. Don't at me. I'm. I'm not a bass player. I'm sure I'm wrong. I read that. And frankly, I'm fine giving him the credit. I don't care. <laughs> He's fine. He's awesome. And you cannot deny the groove of Sly and the Family Stone.
1: Larry Graham is the uncle of Drake. Oh, I got it right. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know anything about Drake.
0: I don't either. I know more about Larry Graham. But that's yeah. an interesting fact. <laughs> that's, a fun, that's a fun fact. Uh, and then last but not least, the other white guy in the band, Greg Erico, who I believe in the Summer of Soul movie described himself and... Jerry as the two white people at the festival.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was super funny when they took the stage and people were like, what? Like, white people on like horn and rhythm? Like, what the fuck? It was fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, just groundbreaking band for any number of reasons and I love the fact that, you know, you're absolutely right. A lot of their music, it just feels like it could be on Sesame Street because it has such like a simple message of like togetherness, and it's really approachable music. And then they have other stuff yeah. that just is 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 beyond that. <laughs> but i liked that the concerts that i've heard anyway the music that they're sort of remembered for is this very approachable togetherness music not just this but like the thank you for letting me be myself again all of those things and family affair and
1: totally totally really positive very positive pop anthem. This yeah. is what I was gonna say. That's
0: what they they took the stage at their rock and roll Hall of Fame induction, singing that song acapella. When they Aww. went up to accept their awards, they all went up there singing. I wanna thank you for letting me be myself again. And they just sang it, and it was just. They're not. It's not all of them. Like there's there's people missing, but it was.
1: That's bad. It's awesome.
0: Can't deny the groove though. Oof.
1: It, yeah, totally wild. And and in all the like. Rolling Stones, top 10 bands of all time, and sorry, Rolling Stone, not Rolling Stones. Like all the lists of, you know, the craziest bands that were biggest and most influential, they're they're always on that list, which makes it like all the more sad when you... (laughs) You know what Sly's up to these days.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult to find a truly updated status of Sly. He's It's sort of like people found him living in an RV like maybe 20 years ago, and that's kind of where the news stopped. But I don't think that's the case anymore.
1: Oh, that broke my heart where he was living in, I think, Los Angeles in a van and some woman made sure that he was eating like one meal a day. Oh my God, that broke my heart. How does someone become like one of the top most recognized groups in the world to losing it all. I mean, that's drugs and that's bad deals somewhere. Like somebody got management. ripped off somewhere. He
0: obviously lost a lot of money as a result of probably his drug use and his uh, Fuck. Un- like irresponsibility with his money back in, in those days. But he also, from what I understand, was the victim of really, really bad management or people who had access to his money basically stealing it. I think he ended up suing someone That's terrible. And that he was supposed to get a fairly significant, like, multi-million dollar settlement, but... But didn't. Yeah, at least I couldn't find anything that would indicate that his that he's better off now.
1: Yeah, that's so yeah, very sad to read that. And just to, you know, like we are talking about, all that energy and all those, like, positive messages and all this, like, groundbreaking sound for funk and then just to end up with nothing is so sad. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. I was like bopping away to the music and reading about them and then like, oh my god, Sly, are you living in a van? I will send you $30 a month to for something. I will adopt you as the child <laughs> that I have adopted.
0: <laughs> All my grandpas are dead. I could use
1: Someone that. should start an international... Oh. I for sure I would start a GoFundMe if we knew where he was like we could make millions of dollars off a GoFundMe for a sly whenever anyone finds him someone let me know and I will create a GoFundMe okay. all right just putting it out there
0: <laughs> that's uh that's a big promise
1: <laughs> yeah I will I'll do it <laughs>
0: It's funny. I, I forget my age sometimes because I was like, oh, I could use a grandpa, but he's only 10 years older than my dad.
1: I do that all the time where I'm, I, we walk a lot and I will be like, oh my God, Alex, that homeless man, that's my new grandpa. And he's like, that's the guy's this age of your dad. I'm like, yeah, you're right. but he's still my new grandpa. He's my new grandpa. I'm adopting grandfathers everywhere. Every time there's a cute old man. I'm like, that's my new grandpa. I'm like, yeah, they are a few years older than my dad, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sly shares a birthday with my dad of March 15th. But Sly was born in 43 and my dad was born in 52. So not not enough time there to be a grandpa.
1: Nope. (laughs) That's a dad plus. (laughs) So I don't think I've ever seen the Woodstock movie. Is that possible? I don't think I have. My parents had it one music festival on VHS, but I think it was um, is it possible it was called Monterey Pop?
0: That is another one. That is largely considered to be the festival that kickstarted the festival thing that turned into Woodstock and Harlem and Isle of Wight and like all of those huge festivals that are so fondly remembered now oh, are largely the result okay. of the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967.
1: So I think they had the VHS of that, but I don't think I've ever seen Woodstock.
0: It's pretty good. I
1: And what happened in Woodstock 99? Like why was that such a shit show? Sorry, you keep going.
0: I don't know as much about Woodstock 99 as I do about Woodstock 69. I know even less about Woodstock 94. Woodstock 99, as I recall, broke down as a result of...
1: HBO's Woodstock 99 documentary just came out.
0: Nice. I'm there for
1: it. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I'm cutting you off because we're uh, we're lagging.
0: It's okay. It's fine. Uh, it's my understanding that Woodstock 99, and we'll get into it. If, if we're going to watch it, we might as well do an episode on it. <laughs> we do love the 90s. God damn it. Is going, it was largely the result of the price of food and water was like really really astronomically gouging like even for festival standards there was yeah lack of security i'm pretty sure one of the major bands that was supposed to play basically was just like nah we don't want to play anymore and like left and then it was like the it was like the festival was shutting down early or something like that and people were pissed and then that's when like they started burning everything like the 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 famous images of Woodstock 99 are when people started setting the fence and the kiosks on fire oh
1: man this I'm looking at pictures wow they also it's so funny that they're talking about this the very first thing they talk about is Questlove's um summer Soul called the Black Woodstock oh mm-hmm <laughs> Oh, I'm definitely gonna watch that. Sorry, so I haven't seen the actual Woodstock one and I haven't seen Woodstock 99, but I feel like I should feel like it's time.
0: (laughs) Apparently you can watch Woodstock on Prime Video.
1: Okay, I keep deleting that and then realizing I still have it, but yeah.
0: It's a little late for us to watch it now, but maybe we could come back and talk about the actual festival, but I'm not sure what more there is to say. I think at this point, there's people who have researched it far better and they can find it. I
1: just need to watch it for my own musical history.
0: Well, watch it on a better system with better sound than I did. My
1: sound's not great, but it's probably better than that.
0: It's probably better than, yeah, like the 1980s era television that I watched it on. Okay,
1: you think you know so much about Woodstock. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. They might be really hard. I think they're really hard, but you might think they're really easy because apparently you know a lot about Woodstock.
0: (laughs) Okay. Why weren't the Beatles there? Uh, because the Plastic Ono Band would have had to play, and because the Plastic Ono Band was denied, the Beatles declined. Fuck you!
1: Well done. Why didn't Bob Dylan attend?
0: Oh, I I knew this at one point. Wasn't it like he was in the area and basically couldn't be asked or something like that? He hate. It was something really like weird. He hated hippies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The, the folk singer <laughs> the folk singer <laughs> that inspired a generation of idiots, hated his audience. <laughs>
1: I know it's pretty good. Okay why was an iron butterfly there?
0: Iron butterfly? Uh, did they get lost? Were they one of the artists that just never made it?
1: They asked the promoters to send a helicopter for them and the promoters wrote back, fuck you. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Um,
1: pretty great. I also don't think I can name one Iron Butterfly song. Can you? Do I know what Iron Fli- Butterfly song?
0: Yeah, In the Garden of Eden.
1: Sure. In the Garden of Eden.
0: By Iron Butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like rock and or roll.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: Hey, March. remember when we used to make out to this hymn?
1: <laughs> I always think of that when I hear that. I'm like, ah, oh, the Garden of Eden.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you'll know what closed out the performance of
0: Woodstock. It's Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix closed on Monday morning.
1: Called the single greatest moment of the 60s. It's
0: a pretty good performance. Um, If you watch it on the film, which you'll see some of it, it lacks the energy of Sly. I think Sly is, they stole the show. Like, energy-wise, it's pretty hard to touch them. The Who were good, too. The Who were really good, but energy-wise, Sly and the Family Stone stole it. Hendrix performed his longest ever set at Woodstock, which is a fun fact.
1: And do you know why he performed last?
0: Uh, He insisted on it.
1: His contract included a clause that no performer could play after him. Well, aren't you special? (laughs) Um, We already talked about how many people died. Three, amazing. More than 5,000 medical incidents were reported, 800 of which were drug related. Oh boy. Yeah, here's more on Bob Dylan, who lived near the town of Woodstock, claimed to be unable to attend due to a sick child, but actually refused to perform in the festival because he didn't like hippies. That's <laughs> so good.
0: <laughs> oh, Bob.
1: Man, Yoko Ono just really ruins everything, eh?
0: Yeah, arguably. she. There's a lot of things that didn't happen that she got blamed for but I think she was a scapegoat for a lot of it. I think John Lennon didn't have the balls to stand up and actually take credit for the crap he was doing and just decided to lay it on his wife.
1: Yep, to- yep, that sounds if I'm honest. also very possible.
0: One thing we can't thank Yoko Ono for is the B-52s. Really? Oh yeah, if you listen to her musical style, where she was just like, ah! And then you listen to, like, Rock Lobster and stuff. Yeah, the B-52s were 100% influenced by Yoko Ono music. I do love the B-52s.
1: So here's your Wavy Gravy. A man wearing a Smokey the Bear outfit who went by the name Wavy Gravy was in charge of security. He reportedly threatened guests engaging in shenanigans with fizzy water and custard pies.
0: I'll have one of each, please. Wavy
1: Gravy's force was comprised of bikers and members of the New Mexico commune hired by absolutely no one to police the event. (laughs) That's my favorite line. Hired by absolutely no one. Anyways, this is all random shit.
0: I love the fun fact about Woodstock where it, like all the police officers that were hired to be security walked off the job on the first day. My God. (laughs) They They basically saw like, the, the city forming and getting the fence getting pushed down they were just they just noped the fuck out and
1: like. a state of emergency <laughs> was declared oh my god anyways it. you know way too much about Woodstock I mean good for you that's a true musical icon congratulations <laughs> I'm glad I didn't put too much effort into that Thank quiz because you, you would have just nailed it I don't it. know
0: the first thing about rap music but <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> well either. I didn't get all of your questions there were several I like guessed wrong
1: but you got a good idea yeah
0: I like I've learned quite a bit about it over the years, watched a lot of documentaries, read the Wikipedia articles. One thing I do think is worth mentioning, just because it's a live album and because they performed at 3 in the morning, fun fact about the Woodstock stage, is that lighting for the concert was engineered by lighting designer and technical director E.H. Beresford. (laughs) Chip. Chip. Monk. <laughs> I love I love how everybody had nicknames in those days. Monk was hired to plan and build the staging and lighting, 10 weeks of work for which he was paid $7,000 equivalent to $49,000 when the article was written. I don't know what it's worth now. Much of his plan had to be scrapped, though, when the promoters were not allowed to use the original location in Wallkill. Again, if you want to watch the documentary on it, you'll learn all about how mm-hmm. they had to like change the location at the 11th hour, which is why it ended up on a farm. The stage roof that they ended up constructing in the shorter time available was not able to support the lighting that he had rented, which wound up sitting unused underneath the stage.
1: <gasps> no. The only
0: light on the stage was from spotlights. And so if you watch the wood when you watch Woodstock and you see the night acts like Slime the Family Stone, it was very poorly well lit. And when you watch reaction videos to the Woodstock videos of Sly and the Family Stone. A lot of people who don't know the history are like, I want to see the crowd. Why are there no crowd shots? It's because it was pitch black. Oh my God. And they had to point the... For the guys who are filming, and we're talking like 1969 videos, right? Like yeah, this yeah. is film, needed a lot of light to be exposed. If they pointed it out into the audience, it would have just been black, unless the lights were actually shining out there. And there's a couple of very quick shots of the audience, but when you watch the Woodstock film, when you see all of the night acts, they don't, you can't see the audience at all because they had to just focus on the artists because that was the only light. Was That's crazy,
1: and that just adds to the torture for me. It No bathrooms, no food, no light. Okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) Too much. That's so crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, part of the urban legend of when uh, the Who played, because they played... Like in five in the morning is that as they hit the crescendo of tommy the rock opera the sun rose behind
1: them oh cool
0: <laughs> and they tried to recreate that apparently when they played at the isle of white festival the next year in 1970 so they brought like airport lights and all they did was attract like every bug on the island <laughs> <laughs> to, like, flood into the festival.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That is so funny.
0: <laughs> I can't even imagine. It's like you just turn on these, like, airport landing lights and all of a sudden, like, every moth is just, like, all the women are just like, my hair. I just I know so many, like, ladies, maybe you're one of them, that just hate fucking moths because they're like, it's in me. I can feel it. It's in my hair.
1: No. They're Satan. Yeah. yeah nothing. No. June bugs, moths. No. No, 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 no.
0: So, like every bug on the island suddenly. Oh my died. god, that's so funny.
1: <laughs> We're so cool. Check this out. The apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like locusts, <laughs> it's like the Bible. <laughs> yeah. To-
1: that would be awful.
0: uh the other thing that was sort of interesting is how they actually designed the sound for the festival because in those days it's largely why the beatles stopped touring is because pa systems weren't good enough to really push to have decent amounts of people and they ended up constructing 12 1300 watt super trooper follow spots they're basically these massive towers they stuck out in the field right on four towers around the stage the follow spots which I guess no, I'm I'm saying the wrong thing. The follow spots are like the speaker bins. They weigh six hundred pounds each by oh, I'm I'm reading the completely the wrong thing. I'm re- I'm reading more about the lights. <laughs> yeah, The so I
1: hope I thought you were going to say that everything was operated by wavy gravy. I wish. I thought that's where you were going with this. I wish.
0: <laughs> so I, uh, I was actually reading more about the lights which I can finish. I I thought I I thought I took notes on the sound system as well. I guess I didn't. Basically, they made these enormous speaker bins and put them up on these towers. But on the same towers, they had these 1300 watt follow spot lights, spots. That's why now it all makes sense to me they had the (laughs) so they were rigged on four towers around the (laughs) stage the follow spots again make sense now spotlights uh they weighed 600 pounds each and were operated by spotlight operators who had to climb up to the top of the 60 foot high lighting tower to operate
1: oh my god so
0: no (laughs) that's probably another hard pass from you (laughs) middle of the night 3 a.m can you go uh, climb up to that top of that like plywood tower that's holding a 600-pound spotlight that's probably boiling hot because it's 1969 lighting technology and just, like, stand there for the next hour?
1: Isn't it amazing that nothing terrible happened with that? Like, you've heard of... Totally put together concerts that come down because of wind and kill people. Oh, yeah. And this just seemed like a bunch of randos taping things together. And it's like, oh, nothing happened. That was terrible. Shocking.
0: Yeah, a bunch of like slapped together plywood structures, towers, and the stage held up during all of that storming. Not only that, all of the like uh, high powered cabling that they had to actually power all of this nonsense was rained on, trampled on it was all originally buried but because of how much rain was there and how many people were like walking over it they were all exposed Did all these high power cables that could have electrocuted everybody oh my God. and like just running through the audience because they had to power the spotlights and they had to power all those speakers that they had on those towers from the stage so there was just running cable and they were and it's just it's amazing so crazy the whole thing could have been if any one thing had gone wrong it just would have been a house of cards they would have had like mass nice. electrocutions that, you know, the stage could have collapsed those towers could have collapsed when you watch the video the, when the, they're stopping everything because of the rain the guy that ended up acting as the MC for the event is like hollering at people to get off the towers because it's because there's like a massive storm oh coming my God.
1: <laughs> try not to get electrocuted everyone don't do yeah. that Yeah. I know there's acid in everything but now's not the time Yep. imagine being the only person there not on acid it would just be like so stressful
0: <laughs> come
1: on everyone
0: if you watch a couple of the documentaries if you watch the video if you watch like the, the documentary that they actually made when they were there. It shows some of the people who are actually doing it. And then if you have the time or the desire and watch the one that's actually about the guys that put it on, like you'll spend the whole time filled with like this anxiety. Like, you know, it all works out because of how we remember it. (laughs) But when they're talking about like,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: so we were on the hook for this many millions of dollars and our fence just got torn down and everybody was coming in for free. (laughs) You're just like, oh my god.
1: Oh boy. Anyway. Oh my God, that's so stressful. Well, I'm gonna watch a bunch of stressful Woodstock documentaries, it seems like. These are my plans.
0: Hot dog, I look forward to the text messages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we you are We are definitely at time. I'll give you a really quick, my girls enjoyed it.
1: Yay!
0: My youngest daughter especially liked the Wanna Take You Higher" part, but it's because there's this thing on TikTok apparently where people are like, can I get a Hoya? And she liked it because she thought they were saying, Wanna Take You Hoya? But she liked it. The girls liked it. They thought it was dancing. Oh, God. TikTok, jeez. Something I can't get behind, but I can get behind my five and eight-year-old listening to Sly and the Family Stone.
1: 100%. I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about like how terrible kids' music is, and the guy, I think it was Dax Shepard, I think it was Armchair Expert, and he's like, we never introduce our kids to kids' music. They all sing the Rolling Stones with us when it comes on. He was like, it's never been introduced in our house. We're keeping it out of the house. They like good music. Please don't come and introduce kids music to our kids and i was like yes that is it like
0: (laughs) super funny you have success of doing that i mean like we tried to do that not so much with music but definitely with princesses with our two daughters and it works until they need to start interacting with other human beings their age
1: yeah sure
0: my older daughter was wanted nothing to do with princesses started going to like a day home when renee went back to work and her she went from not giving a hoot about princesses to her favorite princess was all of them.
1: Yeah, like you can't isolate from them.
0: Good on Dax Shepard I guess when you have the money to isolate your kids to that level.
1: Yeah, totally. And all their kids are fucking rich as fuck. Like, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. For those of us that send our kids to like regulate regular like daycare or public school it's pretty inevitable that they're gonna start getting introduced to like that kind of stuff it's it's impossible not to it's just because you like the rolling Stones doesn't mean that like all the parents that are like the same age as us that grew up listening to completely different music well i will
1: have a no child's music yeah we will have a no child's music thing with everyone we know Okay, I'm really obsessed with this Woodstock 99 thing. I'm reading about it. Wrap it up. I gotta go watch this. Uh, What are we doing? No, you have. are you going to do final words?
0: Final words are, I think, whether or not you like concert movies or you like concert performances, it's worth listening to. I think it's a very historic performance by a really historic band. If you don't want to listen to them play live, I would say go and listen to stand or go listen to their greatest hits album or something there is something special about this band and that they are one of those bands that seems to catch another gear when they get into that medley they seem to be one of those bands that could find another gear and if you like listening to live music and you're not like angie who like it sucks the fun out of it for you because you're not there i think you really catch the energy in this album and it really does a good job and the fact that There's all this other fun history and like weirdness that was happening around the same time and then because this was almost like a high point for this band and like internally they started to break apart after this it's a really really interesting moment and as far as Woodstock performances are concerned I'd say it's the best one I'm not the only person that makes that argument and historically it's fun I don't know I could, I could go on and on about Woodstock and this album and everything that I like about it, but we've already done that. So I'll hand it to you to say you don't like it very much and we'll carry on.
1: <laughs> no, I would just say if you're dysfunctional like me and feel like there's something missing, like movement and visuals, just watch it. They're so fun to watch. Summer of Soul totally re-engaged me into being like, oh no, I need to watch this kind of music. I can't just listen to it. So it's, it's so much fun to watch. It's so high energy and... And it's just like the band is just bonkers. Like, I, I'm i sure there was lots of cocaine. I don't know how else you do that. I mean, just I don't, you know, like it's a lot of energy, man. They pulled it off. Just so iconic, you know, so super iconic in terms of funk, rock, pop, everything. And I it did very much break my heart when I read about yeah. Mr. Sly.
0: Yeah, they whatever substances they were doing to push them through this performance worked perfectly they
1: <laughs> i'll take two please. exactly you want to see
0: a completely different result the person that they followed was janice joplin and janice joplin spent the day drinking her face off and woodstock is considered largely one of her worst reported performances
1: oh that would have been me yeah it's okay no one can tell i'm drunk
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get, you know, you've been like day drinking and you take the stage at 2 a.m. Like, you're going hard. And then all of a sudden... She That's when
1: you need nap. a nap. That's nap time. That's siesta. That's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: she sucks. should have. She should yeah. have napped and rallied. She didn't. But if, as an interesting juxtaposition, the Who were great. Sly and the Family Stone was great. And that was the end of the night. Janice Joplin, who performed at 2, was not. Still good. Janice Joplin's still fantastic. But if you go and watch the Monterey Pop performance and then watch this one, it's like, nah, she was... She spent too much of the day drinking and sitting in the (laughs) sun. Very interesting.
1: Yeah, that happens. That happens, man.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to turn it back over to you because you've, we've, we've planned this whole thing with Steven being away. That largely has fallen on you to organize. So what are we doing?
1: So for next week, I don't know how many times we've brought this up in a podcast talking about we're going to do musicals, but we're going to do musicals and we're going to stop talking about it and we're committing to this. So for the next few weeks, we're going to have our friend Robert coming on, who I think likes musicals. <laughs> he seemed down i think we're all gonna pick the same three musicals to listen to but that's okay someone can pick a different one so yeah we're gonna start off musical month sweet do musicals and not like stupid musicals like actual musicals okay um how do we define that I think we know. We'll decide amongst ourselves. It's none of your business, everyone there's else. traditional
0: musicals and then there's just mute, like the Woodstock documentary or the Summer of Soul could arguably be a musical because it has so much music in it. We're obviously not talking about that.
1: Yes, not documentary. More... Classic musical.
0: So... Things that would have been performed on the stage in some capacity. Not the Blues Brothers.
1: Yeah. Okay, rude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, that's fine. Um, actually, I don't know. No, no, it's fine. <laughs>
0: if you want to do the Blues Brothers, it's, I, just, I don't even care. I love that movie. Too. <laughs> me too.
1: So we're starting with musicals and you're picking the first one correct
0: uh well i picked the most recent album that we just listened to i can pick a musical if you would like me to pick a musical
1: oh i don't know i thought you were picking it so yeah tough twice in a row sorry okay well i'm not ready to pick and i know you know what you're picking so well
0: we have all talked about doing hedwig and the angry inch we all love john cameron mitchell movies but i also want an excuse to watch the original mary poppins again So of those two, which do you want to do, Angie?
1: I think if you don't pick either of those two, if you don't pick Hedwig, I think Rob and I will. So it's totally up to you.
0: I'm going to pick... Mary Poppins because I believe it's on Disney Plus and I don't really have the time to track down Hedwig. I don't have it on DVD and I don't feel like trying to find it to download. I just have too much work to do.
1: Okay, I have it but of course I have packed it because we're moving. I knew I shouldn't pack my DVDs. I never watched them and I packed them all and thought I'm gonna need these anyways. Love Mary Poppins. I will try not to pick uh, Sound of Music right
0: after that to kill everyone. Julie Andrews is one of my most favorite people in terms of performance. I've never seen Sound of Music. I need an excuse to watch it. Let's just do the original Mary Poppins. I haven't seen the follow-up one, but if we're going to ever talk about that, we should probably talk about the first one. Yep.
1: You mean the remake? No,
0: Mary Poppins Returns, the one with Emily Blunt. Is it Emily Blunt?
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. That's good. No, I'm not interested.
0: <laughs> so, the one from the 1960s Disney movie starring Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, featuring possibly the worst British accent ever put to
1: film. All right, I'm a chimney sweep. Okay, I'm super excited. All right,
0: we'll do that. Come back next week and we're going to do a musical for real and we're going to talk about an old one because we're old people.
1: <laughs> Woo, I'm excited.
0: Rob will be back. If you don't remember who Rob is, go back and listen to the Deer Hoof episode. Don't listen to the other one he was on because his recording was all jacked up. So Rob came with us on Deer Hoof. Go listen to that.
1: Man, do I get angry when Deer Hoof gets into my Spotify playlist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I should not mention it again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you for listening. If you're still here, thanks for listening. It's just going to be us and Rob probably for the next foreseeable future. We have no idea if Steven's coming back. We have no idea what his involvement if any will be with the podcast moving forward so send him lots of love thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers thoughts and
1: prayers and if
0: he's back we'll celebrate it then thanks for listening and hopefully you'll come back next week bye thanks for listening to life to labyrinth podcast theme music by Devin rose find Devin on bandcamp or any streaming service you can find us on twitter and instagram at life number two labyrinth